0: It's the responsibility triangle. We have accountability. Accountability is the goals. That's what we do what by when. And we want to build in people the responsibility, the feeling of duty and commitment to the behaviors, the third part of the triangle, to get the accountability done. But if you're assigning things to people that they're not capable of, you're demoralizing them, not creating responsibilities.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm Molly Nolan, your episode host, And I've got Andrew Amrine back on the episode today. Andrew is our director of finance and senior business coach here at Nolan Consulting Group. And he was getting a lot of questions about team and team leader performance. More specifically, how does the role of PFP, pay for performance, come into play with this? Does PFP actually achieve what it was intended for? Why does it not always work? We think that PFP helps to change behaviors or encourage and motivate, but what happens when it's not? Andrew delves into this topic, sharing his thoughts, what he's hearing from clients and companies that he is working with, and gives us some new perspective on how we should maybe be rethinking about PFP. In our organizations out of the hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals develop high-performing teams and build sustainable growth it's time to get out of the hourglass Andrew Amrine, welcome back to the podcast. How are we doing today?
0: Hi, Maul. I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Great to be back. This Good. is like one of my favorite rooms to be in.
1: Our podcast room.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I go in and out of the door, I kind of I step in here and I just kind of sit for a little while.
1: It has a calming sense to it. It's, it's very quiet. Nice. It's calming. It's away from everybody else.
0: For, the, for those of you that can't see, Molly did a really great job with the feng shui uh, and aesthetics in here. We got colors. We got the sound. Boards to cut the sound. It's uh, it's really cool.
1: It's fun. It's fun. All right, Andrew. Why are we here today? You you tend to come to these these podcasts with an idea based on conversation. So which I love. I love feeding the content here and ha- having realistic conversations about what our what our clients are going through. So what sparked today's today's discussion?
0: Yeah, good question. So yes, this is a, a responsive uh, podcast. Maybe it will become disruptive. Using the working genius language, I'm, mm. I'm all. My, my profile is all disruptive. I'm a. Uh, well, I'm a GT, so I'm all disruptive. Yes, you are. And yes,
1: Sydney and I talked about that on our last working genius podcast. She went through and she said, "You know, Andrew's the only disruptive in the office." And we were like,
0: "Hey, are you guys having a meeting? Are you talking? Because I can disrupt you."
1: It's <laughs> exactly the line you pulled. Because
0: I, I want to. I'd like to disrupt you. Can I inter disrupt you? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is a responsive podcast. Um, it's interesting that at this point, all of our customers know that they are now food for a podcast. Yes. Interesting status. We don't mention names. No, no names. No names. No, no hating on the podcast. Uh, all right, yes. So we are. We're going to talk about from concept to application here. A couple concepts that I want to hit: team member, contract, authority, and getting authority right. Had a a, a, a confirming experience around that. Uh, and then pay for performance, uh, maybe a cautionary tale. Mm. Um, so I'll start with the question or the theme. Let's start with the theme of are you leading or competing?
1: It's very interesting to think about that in a work environment mm. from a management perspective. Mm.
0: So if it, let me ask you this, Maul. If we're playing football, Uh-oh. there's all kinds of people there. Yep. Right. There's only one group of people on the field that don't know what I know. The other team, the competition,
1: yeah.
0: the other team, the opponent. So I would I would say throughout this podcast to our listeners, be thinking I'm the leader, but am I inadvertently competing? Am I am I leading or am I competing? Um, sometimes tough to tell. So what's been happening you know, on phone calls and conversations with people. So I'm, I'm, getting a lot of questions about team performance, individual performance. Um, there's uh decision-making. I, I think there's at, at root cause, there's some decision-making challenges who should make this decision. Um, so that, that leads us to the authority topic. And then there's some inadvertent consequences of PFP um, also related to this that I want to talk about. So, when it comes to team member performance, I think without a system, why do, why do we use models? Why do we use business models and theories, and why, why are they all important? Well, they do two things. One, they help to um, organize information, models that have, that have been well thought out. There's plenty of bad models, of course, you guys know. Uh, I'm a levels of work mm-hmm. believer, so that's a model. It's a, a, a very comprehensive. It's the most I've found. It's also observable. You can, much like situational leadership or DISC or the other tools, They you can watch and observe. You don't have to be a social scientist to figure this out. You don't have to be Freud to figure out all these things. You can be a normal person and just watch behavior. So it's emergent or the word extant reality, the emergent reality. You can see it. Uh, so I'm getting lots of, of questions about um, behavior and how do, we, how do we get the team to perform at their best. Um, and when the team isn't performing at their best, the habit outside of, of a mo- – oh, sorry, the second thing that models do is they order. So in other words, if you had a clean house, right, if, you, you, if I went into your house yep. and everything was clean and picked up and put away – So it's organized. Sounds lovely. But everything's in the wrong spot. So the milk is in the cupboard and the uh, cereal is in the fridge. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's clean. It's organized, but it's not ordered. So what models also help us do is put things in the right order. So they help us know where to start. What's first? What's second? What's third?
1: They create efficiency.
0: Yeah, so I'm. I'm not. I'm, I can get to root cause, and I can I can look at situations and peel it all the way back to the root cause and solve for that, and and then everything else trickles down. So, okay, concept there. Application team member contract. Outside of the team member contract, there's a tendency or a, a need to play amateur psychologist that when people aren't performing at what we perceive to be their best, often often we, we can perceive potential in people that they may not perceive in themselves. So that's vantage point levels of work. That's part of being a level higher is that you can see things that they maybe won't be able to themselves. All right, so we we start judging people's character. We start judging their intelligence. We start talking about moods we we as individuals we want to judge ourselves by our behaviors what's observable but we want to but we want to judge others by their intention or we have a habit of judging others by trying to figure out their intention but we want we want to be judged by our behaviors interesting so inside of the team member contract it's very simple can we talk about you doing your best i don't i don't think you're doing your best can we talk about what doing your best looks like? Let's not play amateur psychologist or psychiatrist, or let's not judge people's character. He's a bad person. He's such a knucklehead. Why can't he show up on time? Or why does he or she, you know, they, they never follow direction. So we, we're, we're judging people's character. Let's just have an honest conversation about, number one, the work. Let's stick to the work. And number two, Uh, let's talk about, at this point, for many people out in the audience, is probably an implied agreement, which is the hiring contract here is that you do your best. Right, of course. Show up, do your best. So what does doing your best look like? Um, I mentioned this, this topic came up on my last podcast. We're kind of digging into it more now. But there is a, a training on the Summit Library for what does doing your best look like. And I think it would be a great exercise for the people in our audience to write down what does doing your best look like. So every level of work signs the same contract level. There's eight levels, level eight, all the way down to level one, same contract. Here it is. I will come to work every day and do my best. I will work and interact in a friendly way. I will help others on the team participate in training and provide training for others whenever necessary. If, while doing my best, I get behind and cannot complete my work, I will let my manager know ASAP. If, while doing my best, I get ahead of schedule and have time to complete additional work, I will let my manager know ASAP. If, while doing my best, my work does not meet quality standard, I will let my manager know ASAP. If, while doing my best, my work exceeds quality standard, I will let my manager know ASAP. If I am unable to do my best because I don't feel well or some circumstance prevents me from doing my best, I will let my manager know ASAP. I'm, you're, sen-
1: I'm sensing a theme here.
0: You're catching on to a yes, theme. Yes. All right.
1: Communication consistently needs to be happening with the manager about where someone's, where someone's at.
0: Notice it doesn't say, I'm behind, so therefore I'm not doing my best. It says, I'm doing my best, but I'm falling behind I will let my manager know ASAP. So now there are some circumstances where I'm falling behind because I'm not doing my best. That's the conversation. Hey, listen, I, I don't I don't really think you're doing your best here. You could be you're showing up late, or we we need to talk about your approach to work, which is a nicer way of saying attitude. Um we need to talk about your the relationship you're building on the crew. No one no one's really liking you you're not really building relationships on the crew like what you know the the way you're the commit the requisite behaviors aren't matching what's needed for the team so you're not doing your best how what what's getting in the way of you doing your best i don't have to play amateur psychiatrist
1: it's a direct question
0: yeah yeah and, and it I, gets to and, the real heart. It right. gets to what I own and what they own. I don't own their psychi- their psychology. I don't own their mindset. And we'll we'll get to that authority piece in a minute.
1: So this this continues to encourage a, a lot of those one on one conversations that we're always speaking to. Managers need to be talking to their employees. To understand what's what's going on in their world that's maybe impacting why they're not doing their best.
0: I mean, Ma, let's pretend that you're not having a great day. And I'm your manager or supervisor. It's a so frontline manager level two. So I, I I try to use different like real clear labels. So level two supervisor. Let's say I'm your supervisor. I say, hey, well, it doesn't look like you're you're kind of doing your best today. You're 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 better than this. Um, what's going on? And that like that's not an offensive question. If you're if you're legitimately experienced, I was like, yeah, you know, I just got stuff going on. I'm, oh, tell me about it. Right or such and such isn't getting back to me. Like, yeah, I'm not doing my best because all these people aren't getting back to me. All right, well, can we let's let's strategize this? Let's let's do this. Um, it seems like a much healthier conversation yeah. to me,
1: especially if you've upon the hiring process have, have introduced this concept and you've talked about the team member contract and how we're always showing up to do our best it kind of sets the, it's the word track that helps open the doors for those conversations. Mm-hmm. And half the time, it's it's getting those that, that conversation started that's the most difficult part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would go so far as to say it would it would be my dream. Catherine has a safety dream. She wants everybody to get level one safety certified. There are three levels, by the way. Level one, uh, I, I think everybody should be doing. I agree with her. It, it would be my dream if every Nolan Consulting Group A mark of a Nolan Consulting Group customer that if if they met someone out in the world and and they just looked at their company and they said, huh, you must work with Nolan Consulting Group, that mark would be they have everybody has a team member contract. It's it's in the employee handbook. It gets signed and put in with their paperwork or digital paperwork whatever it is, but every employee has a signed team member contract.
1: Have you rolled this out with some of the clients that you're mm-hmm. working with and how is it being perceived?
0: It's it's great. It's hard to implement. I mean, it's so simple and so easy that we take it for granted. Um, but, yeah, I, I've got some that are that are putting it in, but certainly why I'm here is yeah. my, part of my motive is to push it. Like everybody out there, put it's on the Summit Library. Put the team member contract in your employee handbook so that everybody signs it.
1: Now, those that who have made it a part of their their onboarding process and have have discussed this, have they had to come back to the to this contract based upon scenarios in their work environment? Yeah, it
0: just makes conversations easier. Okay, we've we we have moved from an implied contract to now a, a concrete um, spoken contract or or on paper. So we know this is what I want. So let me walk the ball forward a little bit because it's not actually I would. Well, I would say the the team member contract is actually more important for the manager than it is the the subordinate, the direct report. So that's true for level one, any 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 manager subordinate relationship. So that could be level three to level two, level two to level one. Whoever the one level up is, the team member contract is actually more important for them. And here's why: authority. So. I'm a foreman. Let's talk about the the proverbial closet. We're framing out the proverbial closet. The foreman assigns somebody to go frame this closet. Look at the blueprint, frame the closet. The closet gets framed wrong. Who's responsible?
1: I feel like I want to say the foreman who did it because they did it wrong, but at the same time, there's peop- the manager was not aware or helping, helping to help them succeed in doing it correctly. So I think it's the manager
0: getting, who owns it. Getting this right is the first order. Origi- back At the start of the podcast, we talked about models organize and order. This is number one, getting authority right as hard as it is to accept that is the manager's accountability to assign tasks task assigning relationships and task initiating relationships the the carpenter did his best did he do his best now if, he, now if the carpenter didn't his or, his or her best if she did not do her best then it's on the supervisor to say, "Hey, you've done this well before in the past."
1: What happened here?
0: Yeah, so sounds a lot like S two D two leadership, right? We're making connections with that. That was not R two D two. That was S <laughs> two. I just thought of that. Situational leadership, everybody. That. As it, as the words came out of my mouth, I thought R two D two sounds a lot like S two leadership. Right. Hey, you've done this better before. Sounds a lot like How to Win Friends and Influence People too. Uh, the probably the the least used but most effective conversational strategy is to set a high bar for other people. Hey mom, this isn't like you what's going on. You're like, like what a great opener to believe in other people more than they believe in themselves. Difficult managers have to make difficult choices. So it was, it was the manager's job to make that assignment. So think of a, think of a foreman and draw on a piece of paper sort of a mini org chart. You got foreman, three carpenters, and then draw arms around that. I'm, I meant to bring this picture with me. Think of, think of the organizational chart and then think of a field supervisor with multiple crews and draw arms around those people.
1: Taking care of all of them, hugging right. them all. And
0: then the, the production manager is hugging all of, they, they. so you have an org chart, but then draw little arms coming out all the way to the bottom, to the left and to the right, that sort of define the, the scope of that role. And then imagine those lines are arms. And that manager owns everything on it. So Extreme Ownership, a great book to read. Authority rests one layer above the layer we want it to. So when we delegate, frame the closet, we want to also delegate the authority of framing that closet but we do not we can't it's impossible because the carpenter doesn't didn't assign themselves interesting the closet the foreman so if something doesn't get done well we want to go to that person and say I just I, I do not have great crews my question is well why are, are the crews being assigned why are crew members being assigned tasks and left that they're not ready for or, or how long can I leave this person alone? Time span. How often am I going to have to check with them? And I would say the greatest. So, so I I also hear people say, what drew, I don't have time for that. Like I need people to do it. Now the biggest impediment to development is giving someone more than they can do. You will slow down development. Think about this. If you, if you go, if you play basketball and you go play basketball against a team that's better than you, like, that's great. It helps you develop. But if you play a team, if you're in high school and you play a professional team, it's totally demoralizing. Like, I just want to quit. I don't have any chance. Right, right. So assigning people tasks that are so far above or assigning them a task and leaving them alone much, much longer than they should is completely demoralizing.
1: It's discouraging.
0: So what we want in people, you you can't get around feelings because you have, uh, you you've got. Um, oh man, I just drew a blank. Uh, it's the responsibility triangle. So yeah. you have, we have uh, accountability. Accountability is the goals. That's what we do. What by when, and we want to build in people the responsibility, the feeling of duty and commitment to the behaviors. The third part of the triangle, to get the accountability done. But if you're assigning things to people that they're they're not capable of to a, to a broad extent, you're demoralizing them, not creating responsibility. So the, uh, the authority piece is to really look at whose decision was it to give people tasks and roles? How long, why am, why am I giving it to them? Is it because they're capable or because I'm testing that they're capable? How long can I leave them alone? What's my plan B? What's my plan C? And if we can get ourselves, we can get as as leadership. We we often use the words leadership and management kind of interchangeably, and they're not. Leadership is a function of your management, and we separate leadership on its own at the danger of minimizing management. Just be a leader. Uh, well, first, what's my level of management, and then I have to lead at a level that matches that role. So. If, I, if I'm assigning people tasks and I'm owning that authority, everything else trickles down. Everything else works. And I immediately begin to think more about the future. This is, this, the biggest impact is if you want to stop yourself from being reactionary, then own the decision making. And we had a we had a confirming experience about this Monday. I think you were there that I explained to the team that there is work that they're responsible for. But it's our decision to give it to them. So if it goes wrong, that's our fault. Not theirs. And the whole room just relaxed. Everybody just chilled out. It was great. It was it was such an awesome moment.
1: Missed
0: that moment. I'm sad. Oh, were you? Oh, that's no, right. I wasn't here. Oh, that's right. You were yeah. in Mexico. Oh, traveling. Uh-oh.
1: Traveling, back. traveling
0: back from a wedding in Mexico. Yes, yes I forgot yes. about that. Yeah, it was a cool moment.
1: That's great. That, I'm glad that happened.
0: That listen, we're we're asking this group of people to do these tasks. Yep. We understand there's a lot of decisions that are going to and coordination that's going to have to be made. Listen, if it goes wrong, it, it's on us. We're the ones that decided to give this group of tasks to you guys so therefore let me go back to the team member contract if while doing your best you get behind let me know if while doing your best you get ahead let me know because it's my butt on the line not yours
1: yeah that actually i'm
0: the one that's that's yeah. going to get chewed out so now what do you think that does to the commitment to the people out there in the audience what do you think that would do To the commitment level and feeling of responsibility, the feeling of duty and commitment, if you say to your people, listen, guys, I'm asking you guys to do this job, but if it goes wrong, it's on me because I'm the one that decided to assign this $120,000 commercial floor to this crew. I believe in you. I think you can do it. I'm going to check in with you every day because that's your your time span of discretion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call you every day. But listen, if it goes wrong, like the operations manager is come going to come looking for me, not you. I'm the one that decided to give you this job, this work. So if that's the case, you got to come tell me. Now, who are they fighting for?
1: They're fighting for their manager.
0: Right. That's the dynamic I want to create. Who and what am I fighting for? I'm fighting for my manager here, man. His His butt is on the line. Or her. Her butt. Is on the line.
1: And if you've established a really nice relationship with your manager and you you like their, their style of leadership, you want them to win.
0: Yep. You don't
1: want them to be replaced by somebody else who you might not operate in the same way.
0: Somebody that looks at you and says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you these tasks, but listen, I own it. If it's, I'm, I'm going to take the blame. How I does that... You,
1: I think you work harder.
0: <laughs> I, I, right, because, wow, okay, you this person, like down. they respect me, they trust me, they're not yeah. pushing ridiculous responsibility on me. I didn't choose to give me this job. like I, I don't I don't know, but so I'll go do it, but you gave me the job. So when managers take accountability and feel responsible for the authority that they can't give away. you You give it away and cause stress. So if you see your team stressing out, they the first place I would look is they're being asked to make decisions that are above their level, their level of work. Um, all right so that so let me pause there what, what's your reaction to that?
1: Well I want to know how this all plays into the PFP culture mm-hmm. because obviously that's a big um, piece of conversation that a lot of our, our clients mm-hmm. uh, want they, they want to be able to reward or, or, or pay their their team for for doing well and for performing on a, on a high level but how does that impact? How does, that, how does that impact um, other parts of their job or sure. you know, what, what they're there to show up for to begin with, right? Sure,
0: sure. So we talked about the team member contract. The team member contract reflects the reality of work, the observable reality of work. It requires that level two and level three uh, are accountable, that take responsibility for the authority that is theirs and do not, try to delegate it because you do at your own peril. All you're going to do is stress people out and you you can't really delegate it because the crew doesn't choose their own jobs. They're assigned jobs. So you, much as you try, you can't. Team member contract exists. In reality, authority, therefore, authority must be owned where it is. Let me ask you an honest question. So tough question to the audience, but you're thinking to yourself, how many of these types of better management practices, might you have avoided, abandoned, or stopped learning, thinking that a pay for performance is a suitable substitute? Because
1: the money will drive them to do better versus them wanting to work harder.
0: Money drives me it should drive everyone. Yeah. I know what I'll do. I'll just give everybody more money cuz there's 8 million things to do out of out of legitimate reasons. I don't fault anyone. I'm I'm not I'm hey, don't judge. I get it. There's there's 800 things to do and there's more to do tomorrow and if if it's easy, if I could just, you know what? I'll pay you more if you if you do more. Okay. So, in the absence of Clear authority and ownership of authority. So uh, extreme ownership, great book. Ownership of authority. I own everything in here. All the decisions that are made at my level, I own. It was my decision to give you this work. If it goes, I'm I'm responsible for either making it work or saying this isn't working. It's, It's my butt. The team member's job is quality. So if going all the way down to level one is pace and quality. Are they working at the right pace? Are they doing the quality work? Are they trained? All that if in the absence of that, how is PFP being received? So flip the perspective around Mm -hmm. and you're the one receiving the PFP in this environment where authority is being delegated one level too low and it's, and it's, it's the individual's fault for not completing that task not the person who assigned it how are you receiving PFP
1: like it's impossible to do it. this is
0: just another way for you not to pay me
1: yeah
0: what I'm already owed because you're it's asking negative, me to it's a do real more context. yeah you're asking me to do more than my role my level of work can do team, for listeners out there, the, the, these levels of work exist because the amount of detail being processed prevents a carpenter or a foreman from thinking more than two or three days out. I've seen it. I've seen people try. The amount of detail, the, the work itself is preventing people from doing what it is you want to do and delegate. So a supervisor has to let go of the work so that they can think farther and farther out. Human, I mean, one of Elliot Jack's books was, was, I think the title was On Human Capability. It's not the person, everybody. It's the work. The, the level of detail that that crew has to pay attention to means... Hey, listen, I'm a, okay, you want me to build this house? I will build this house. I love it. I will manage the subs. I'll do all that. But if a sharks are in the water, you've got to tell me. Because my head is, I'm out here building a house. So if there's a storm coming, if the weather's bad next week, I, I can't think about next week. you got to tell me that the weather's bad next week. So in other words, management has to bring value to the layers below it. This is why management layers exist.
1: So in this, in this context, I mean, it, it sounds like PFP can be dangerous because it's not it's, it's being used um, instead of you know, management leadership. How, but I know you don't believe that all PFP is bad, obviously.
0: No, okay, so, so good. I'm glad you, you went here. I'm not there. I, I'm not ready to say that all PFP is bad. Um, human being there are goal-oriented human beings mm-hmm. I do think that people that want to get into management are bigger thinkers and so maybe PFP is a way to find those people who's excelling at it I think PFP has its limits and I think PFP takes more work not less work in other words you can do you can get away with a lack of management expertise in the absence of PFP you can get away with a lot as soon as you add PFP on top, you add the commiserate management required also. So it's actually more culture work to keep that PFP being perceived for what you want it to be as, as, as extra, as profit sharing, not just, just another way for you not to pay me what I'm owed. So it, it's a very, very fine line, and it, and it can work. A lot of people do it. Sales reps get paid by commission but the contract is open and they're goal oriented. So people that typically work in operations, if more than 10% of their pay is coming from PFP, it's probably stressing them out. And I've, I've had conversations with people, you know, like do it out like, yes. Okay. I can make $3 on this PFP. Can you, can I just have a dollar raise? I don't care about that. Can I just have a dollar raise? That's not what motivates them. And we've got to stop asking people to be motivated by something that motivates us, not them.
1: So you have to have conversations. The beatings
0: will continue until morale improves. I mean...
1: So are you, are you encouraging conversations with these people to say what, you know, what is it that...
0: Really motivates yeah. you. What is it that really motivates you? Why are you doing this? And I can only get an honest answer if I've got a culture that asks for a team member contract at every level and that rests authority at the level... That it exists, not too low. For those... At the level of, of the decision, the authority rests at the level of decision making. Who made the decision, they bear the fault.
1: Have you seen that there is, um, that a PFP program is more successful at different um, business revenue sizes or different team sizes? Mm-hmm. When have you seen it be most successful when it's, when it's implemented? What's the environment look like?
0: I've seen PFP be very successful in great cultures. PFP does not cause culture. PFP reinforces whatever culture you've got. Culture comes first. PFP does not change behaviors. Uh, it's, it's got the success rate of a postcard. So all, you're a marketing person. If we sent out postcards, what would the response rate be percentage-wise?
1: In my in my uh, opinion, pretty little.
0: Yeah, like three percent, five percent, maybe. And that's about the effectiveness of PFP at changing behaviors.
1: So how do you test
0: culture changes behaviors?
1: So are there you know, if you're trying, if you're a business owner or a manager, you're trying to assess the culture of your business. Mm-hmm. And like our like we're thinking about putting in a PFP, but we know that culture needs to be in place first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do we how do we check, to, what, are the, what are the marks mm-hmm. of a good culture?
0: Yeah, great, great ordering question. What's first? So yeah. Elliot Jacks and the model that I believe in wholeheartedly would say first look for authority. So that requires us to look at levels of work. Are we, are we really clear? Now every, every role is gonna include different levels of work, especially in a growing organization. The role is defined by the longest time span task. So it's about the work, not the person. What's the work that I'm asking this role to do? And is it too much? So it's really tough for people to go level three, two, and one. Two, uh, you know, we we have to do, uh, we're often doing two levels. So you have level, level two supervisors that also jump in on a job, but not too much. You've got level three managers that are also jumping into some supervisors, supervisory tasks.
1: But they should not be jumping into level one.
0: I don't even think it's, something's not getting done right. Yeah. So, something is not working. I mean, they're, they might be doing it, but something's not getting done well. So I've, I've, if in your order, back to your ordering question, what's the right order? So look first for authority. And you've got to, so therefore it starts at the top. And is is authority resting at the same level of the decision? So if something's going wrong, who made the decision is the first question. Who decided to? And if,
1: and if whoever made that decision is that person holding themselves accountable?
0: Yeah. What would you do differently
1: versus if your fingers butt's on at the, the line? rest of the team, like it was their fault? Versus.
0: Well, I mean we. We promoted Sammy. I mean, Sammy, you know he's he's a hard worker, makes the best chicken salad at the company picnic every year. What do you mean he can't be a supervisor? Like, come on, Sammy, I asked you to do the job and you're not doing it. Well, whose decision was it to make Sammy the supervisor? And why did you make Sammy the supervisor? And what was how what's Sammy's time span at that level of work? how long can you how often do you need to che- to check with sammy and so yeah that's d2 i mean people realize that the job is more difficult or different than what they were thinking i think we just leave people alone mm-hmm. and that causes them to feel like they're a high school basketball player playing the nba like this is impossible i can't i'm getting no support
1: they're just going to get run all over
0: management hierarchy M.A.H. as Elliot Jacks would call it, the Management Accountability Hierarchy exists to bring value. In other words, it exists to help us make profit. Command and control is a very small part. We seem to we we often emphasize the command and control part of management, but that is a very tiny piece of the bigger picture, which is to bring value. The first way to bring value is to rest authority at the level of the decision, of the decision-making.
1: It starts to make even, just thinking through it, you know, it makes sense as as if you are a manager hiring for a position on your team, to me it now changes the way you're looking at that hiring process because now you're saying, I want to hire somebody who I can delegate to, who is going to do the job the best they can and do it well, and then I'm going to, I'm going to own that work, like it's going to reflect back on me. And do I trust them? Do I have that relationship with them that I think that they can do the job that I'm taking accountability for?
0: Delegation is part of the job. Management level two and level three delegation is part of the job. You have to do it. So doing it myself is not an option. Now, if so, if you're a supervisor and I'm a manager and I see you, I'm your, I'm your um, direct report, or you're my subordinate and I see you doing too much work, I'm looking at you saying, hey, you're, you're not doing your best. Part of your job is delegating. Yeah, but it's my butt if it goes wrong. Yeah, that's right. And you have to delegate. So what are you going to do differently if you're delegating and it's your butt if it goes wrong? But you have to delegate. That's part of doing your best at level two. Part of doing, uh, you know, if I'm the manager, part of doing my best at level three is I have to make assignments and through one hour, Get hundred hours of work done because I've because I've delegated. So what do I what am I going to do differently if my butt's on the line for the result? And herein lies the definition of a manager. A manager is is the person responsible for the output of other people. What is a manager? Not every employee is responsible for their own output. If you're at level two, then your manager is responsible for your output and making those decisions. At going all the way down level one, uh, you know, a a new employee or, you know, a, a large equipment operator, I mean, they're responsible for doing their best, for doing their assignments. If the job doesn't come in on time, but everybody's doing their best, well, who do I look to? The supervisor. How is the supervisor making ready? How are we planning? How are we arranging the schedule? Why are Why are you assigning these crews? Like, when were you going to let me know that this crew is two people short because they're out sick? Like, what? Like,
1: I love this concept because it. I think it changes the conversation from, for so many people, um, they get a manager. Mm-hmm. Added, you know, role added to their title, the, the, the word manager, mm-hmm. but they're not ready to accept the output of the people on their team. Mm-hmm. They want to point fingers. I mean, you see this in everywhere you go: a retail store, a restaurant. You know, people who are not ready to be managers per se, but you know, an eighteen-year-old at a at a McDonald's is now the manager. They're not. They're not ready to be responsible. So for you the just output.
0: you just just said it. Maybe may inadvertently, but the number one problems, the number one problem teams face, I think I read that, but it's got to be top three. You just said it. In the absence of this structure, people are... Pointing blank. Pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. Everybody's pointing fingers.
1: And that's bad culture.
0: Yep. And if you're in an environment where your people are pointing fingers, and I, and... Authority, and, and so therefore, for lack of a better phrase, fault. If authority isn't rested at the right place where it's required, you have no choice if you're the manager. Whoever made the decision is responsible, has the authority. What's, how is PFP going to be received? How is culture going to be? Right? It's not, it's, it's, it's not. So circling back. I probably probably a good place to kind of peek yeah. is
1: well, I think if it's, people
0: are pointing fingers, that's a clear sign that authority is not being embraced at the level where the decision is made. Maybe it's not clear that who is making the decision.
1: Well, now it all makes a lot of sense why you have been really pushing for this management training series that you were just kicking off and piloting with yes. some, some leaders within the, the summit member group. And clearly, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to learn to be a good manager.
0: Yeah, I think part of it uh, that I'm learning through it, we just had our, our first session. It was, it was fantastic. Um, this is part of what we talked about, um, laying the framework for management. But I, I think we've had so much leadership emphasis over the last 10 years yeah. that we've inadvertently uh, let management fall to the wayside um, at, at our peril, Management is is a science. There's an art to it, sure, but management is a is a defined science and a role. Um, and your leadership exists within that management level, um, not the other way around. I'm a leader, so I can be a manager. Nope. No. Your level of management dictates what kind of what kind of requisite leadership is needed in that role for your people.
1: And everyone has different leadership style yeah. within that, but you have to be following the model. Of, of what's required for management.
0: So start with the team member contract, get really clear that it's everybody's job to do their best. Then look at, that forces you to look at authority. And are, is the authority and responsibility for a decision really being rested at the level the decision is being made? Who made the decision? That's who's responsible. And is that clear? Is anybody hesitating, embracing that my butt is on the line. Who made the decision? Start there. And I, I mean, you could, you could spend the rest of your life there getting authority right. And, the, and now we've ordered it properly, so everything else trickles down from there. And that, then look at PFP. So to wrap up the conversation, then, so get the team member contract in place, get authority and responsibility right. Then PFP, then PFP will almost be unnecessary because you're not asking it which is where it ought to be it's extra we're 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 trying to sh- profit share and share what we have right. right this isn't not something that i already owe you
1: it's not going to make or break somebody's compensation it's it's really great to have it but it's they should be already mm-hmm. at the level being compensated at the level for the work that they're that they're responsible for producing
0: they feel trusted yeah right they're like I, so PFP, you know, another way of receiving PFP is that is It's like, I, well, I don't really trust you. I trust you. Molly, you've, you've said you're, you're going to do your best. Well, I've hired you. You know, you've signed this contract. You're going to do your best. I don't really trust you to do your best, though. So I'm going to make you prove it. So you're only going to get paid for your best if you do your best, because I don't really trust you to do your best. So I'm going to I'm going to pay you less than your best and make you earn that potential, which brings me back to competing. Therein lies mm-hmm competing not the lead. that's not the leading
1: so let's let's remain on the leading side of that of that of that conversation yep well you can clearly tell that andrew is very passionate about this particular topic uh, so if you are listening and think that this might be something that you need to dive into a little bit within your own organization please reach out andrew will certainly be a a willing a willing listener on the other side I of probably,
0: that probably i could probably talk too much about this <laughs> My one of my favorite things to talk about yeah. Yeah. structure. Hi, uh, surprise! Hi, S wants to talk about structure.
1: Well, I mean, Chakra it, it makes sense when you you kind of pull back, and then obviously there's, there's a lot of the, a lot of this that's theoretical, and it's you know you had to really it's big picture, then like then mm-hmm. down really into the layers, but when you really begin to apply some realistic uh, situations, you can see it come to light.
0: Go back to that the psychology we were talking about. Yeah. If you get authority right. I, this is my experience. Personality problems largely disappear. Because people aren't stressed out anymore. Not all of them. Some, some of them will still need to get taken care of. But when you get the team member contract and authority right, personality conflicts largely go away.
1: I think we got to leave it there.
0: Cool. Give Thanks, it, Maul.
1: A test. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate the time, as always. And uh, until the next... Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.